Are you thinking of breeding a litter? Or maybe you're a seasoned dog breeder who simply wants to refresh your credentials. For me, a program like Pup Starts Breeders is a perfect place to start. Pup Starts is unique. You see, it's the only iPet network level three in dog breeding, litter socialization, health and welfare. In fact, it's the only off-call regulated course of its kind available in the UK. So, if you're considering breeding a litter, whether you're new to this or you've been breeding dogs for years, check out Pup Starts Breeders. That's pupstartsbreeders.com. Hey, Mike. Hey, Anna. Hey, I was thinking, after we record this Zoom, shall we run to the park and with Prudence, Billy and Mr. Binks? Uh, I'd love to, but as you can hear, Billy is excited because his delivery is turning up any minute now. Oh, what delivery is that? Paleo Ridge. No way, you've done it. I have, I have. After you gave us a sample of yours, Billy absolutely loves it. And if, come here, Billy, come here. So you can see how see how his, his coat is all nice and shinier now and see in his belly. Oh, remember, look. remember I was telling you how his, it was all bald there and now it's all growing back. Yeah, yeah. I thought it would help with that because it boosts the immune system. And of course, the skin is an organ like any other organ in the body. It's the biggest organ. So he looks very white and shiny. He's very white and shiny. And uh, all that talk of rock hard poo that you were always mentioning is Mm. actually true. So it's not quite the um, mess that we would normally have to clean up uh, in the heath anymore. It's actually quite easy now, isn't it, Bill? Isn't it? Oh, good for you, Billy. Yeah, And anyway, I always think Roy is the best. And for me, Paleo Ridge is the best of the best. So if you want to find more, everybody, check out the show notes. Hey, Mr. Binks, you know how much you and Prudence love to go for your daily walks. Well, that's why we're jumping on Zoom now to talk to Michelle Southern from Street Paws, who's launching a 274,000 step challenge that's a nationwide campaign. We're going to find out more now. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today on A Dog's Life. Thanks, Anna. Thanks for having me. Now, you're the CEO, the founder of Street Paws. Yes, that's right. Tell us a bit more about Street Paws. So Street Paws, um, we are a national charity and we keep homeless people and their their pets, predominantly dogs, together. Um, Started in 2016 in Newcastle. Um, where I was volunteering at that time at a local soup kitchen um, and saw a dog and worried that there was no provision for for the dog who was coming with its owner. At that time, I was working in a veterinary practice, so it was really easy for me to persuade a vet to come along and and that's where we all started, really. Oh, wow, gosh. So it was kind of, well, serendipity, um, really. Yes, um, so I think I think at the very beginning, looking back, it's always good with hindsight, isn't it? I was very naive and I just thought, oh, we'll go and give some vaccines to any dogs uh, fleeing worming, um, any anything, you know, any medical need they might have from the vet. 
Um, and actually a couple of years in, I found out really it's it's a more homeless proper people problem than the animals because the animals are all really well cared for, really healthy. Um, and it's the human counterpart or the human companion who actually suffers because, because of having the animal on the street. I guess, you know, because they are their best friends, aren't they, you know, Michelle? And I suppose for somebody who is vulnerable, you know, living out in the cold, you know, in the wind and everything, like a day like today, I can't think of anything worse. And seeing their best friend shivering or, you know, maybe being a bit hungry or whatever, it must enhance their own mental health. Yes, definitely. I mean, you, you know, you can't, you speak to anybody, take the time to speak to anybody with an animal on the street and they'll tell you how much they love that animal, how much the animal gives them a purpose, um, gives them a reason to, you know, to move from the spot they sat at. And, and you know, they've got to care for the responsible for that, that animal and the animal's needs. Actually, I say this quite a lot and I, some people find it quite surprising. I think that the animals don't really suffer being outside because they're, they're loved, they're with their owner 24-7. They're not left alone while the owner goes to work all day. They're fed. They're, they're, you know, countless times you'll see people coming off for dog food. Um, and they're, they're well looked after in their warm, snuggled together in a sleeping bag at night. It's the human companion who suffers because they can't access accommodation, really, because there's just no pets allowed. Yeah, it's so interesting you say that, Michelle, because I've said that oftentimes, actually, about, you know, people think it's so awful the dogs are on a cold pavement when, you know, yes, they have a better life than many dogs left home alone all day or or palmed out dog walkers, you know, and, and, and creches where they don't yeah. really get any individual attention and, you know, they don't spend hardly any time with their owners, really, many dogs, really. So if, if you were at a nine to five and you can't take your dog to work with you, I agree completely from the dog's point of view, but it is thankful to agencies like yours that these dogs do get care you know when they cut their paw yes. you know which can happen you know they are given an extra dog coat you know when the temperatures are going to go below zero but the part that does upset me is like you say that so many hostels are still undog friendly in fact you know really quite hostile about it like even soup kitchens you know they're giving out soup to the people but they won't let dogs yeah. come in you know so yeah. what's happening about that yeah I mean it, it was really brought to my the forefront of, of my attention in 2018 um during the infamous beast from the east and we were in Manchester on outreach with the vet team and there was men in tears because there was nowhere they could go because they had the dog and they were turning up to the emergency winter provision shelters that were provided and they were often being turned away because of the dog um, and that just really broke my heart that, you know, they would say, you know, you'll have to just give your dog up. You'll have to leave it outside. And of course, they're not going to do that. It's their best friend, their companion. Um, so we decided then as a charity that we needed to really try and change that. And we started by installing some um, kennels into hostel grounds. We had four, four, uh, four hostels across Manchester, Leeds and Newcastle, which were open to trialing having a kennel in situation and then the owner could go inside it wasn't the best solution but we saw it as a step um, to gaining trust and working and building relationships and what happened because of that 
the owners and were sleeping in the kennels with the dogs. Oh, wow. Gosh, yeah. I, I thought you might say that, actually. Yeah. But yeah, almost like a protest, kind yeah. of. But I guess, how did those hostels <laughs> react to that then? Um, I mean, obviously, they were persuading to, you know, to, to them to come inside into the bed. But the fact that the animal wasn't allowed and they're, they're, they're just together 24-7. And some of them have been like that for a long time. And they just couldn't bear the thought. Even, you know, these kennels were all, you know, state of the art, um, insulated, secure, locked units. Um, no, they just wouldn't leave them overnight. Um, and I think that the, the, the hostels took the, the view that at least they weren't on the street. Well, no, absolutely. I mean, some of these kennels, you know, um, are great. Yeah. You know, they're not cruel or anything. Um, but I just find it mildly ironic, really. And, you know, I, I think I would have done that. It's almost yeah. to say to these people, well, you know, if my dog's in a kennel, thanks very much. I'll stay in it, too. You yeah, know, exactly. But yes, it's heartbreaking, this no dogs allowed policy. And, uh, you know, government's been doing quite a bit, don't, don't you think, Michelle, in terms yeah. of with, with private landlords, because there's also that um, negativity there and no pet clauses yeah. um, in that sector. And of course, there's been some campaigning to loosen that up so that renters can have pets in rental accommodation, which almost segues to hostels doesn't it yes yes and to be honest the COVID pandemic really helped us um because like I say up until between 2018 and 2020 we just really campaigned um amongst all the groups we we were known to and were working with to please accept pets and they were saying well you know there's going to be extra work for the staff what happens if the person gets ill what happens if there's um like reaction between dogs who are on property so every problem they confronted us with we found a solution and that's how the dog champion scheme developed really and because of the pandemic there was a greater urgency to get people and the pets inside because they just knew without the pet they wouldn't do it yeah well it's great and I always say every cloud has a silver lining you know so where are you at with the dog champion scheme now so the Dog Champion Scheme, um, we secured a partnership with the Riverside Group at the end of last year, um, in which we were going to be working with all of their hostels nationally. So at the moment, um, we've got 56 of their staff registered for the scheme, and 20 of them have been completely trained now. Um, so the training that we offer is um, canine behaviour, fear reaction, separation anxiety, um, we've got a wonderful trustee, Rachel Bean, who does canine first aid. So the, they also get that course included in their training. And we provide them with everything else that they need to make it easy to have a dog on project, like dog bowls, uh, collars, uh, full vet support, um, emergency kennel space if the owner needs to go into hospital, say, and they're not actually going to be on site and there's nobody to take care of the dog, we can take the dog into emergency kennels and, and take that all those pressures away. Gosh, that's amazing, isn't it? And is it working? You know, yes. what's the feedback? Well, the feedback, I mean, the idea was to run the project with, with them for a year and then get some data and, you know, and expand. But actually... Um, like in every sector people are talking about it so we've actually been inundated at the moment with hostels who want to jump on board and get involved in the scheme which is brilliant um, and we're, we're expanding out of the group 
right across the north um, and and Leeds and Manchester at the moment. Oh, that's that's so brilliant. That really is brilliant. That's yeah. you know, yeah, because there's a staggering amount of people that are homeless, and yes. and I think what is it, something like two hundred thousand? Um, um, yeah, I mean, it, it varies greatly. I think the the latest figures that that I've seen was that the, the, they're estimating that there's two hundred and seventy four thousand people experiencing homelessness. Gosh, right and now. how many of those would have a dog? Yeah, well, there's, it's, it's between 5 and 25%, but the, the consensus is it's around 10% of those 274,000 will have a, a, a dog. Yeah, yeah. And it'd be interesting, you know, I mean, I, I wonder if the, I mean, I suppose it goes without saying, really, well, from where I sit, where I'm sitting, that those with a dog, you know, they're going to be better off because they have a true companion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, it is and it isn't. It's a bit of a double-edged sword. They have got a true companion, but then it just it it stops them getting the help and support that they need. Well, I mean, hopefully, you know, this is about to change, yeah. you know, yeah. um, as dogs have become so much more prominent, really, through the pandemic. You know, it's well acknowledged now, I think. Not that it wasn't before, I hasten to add, but it seems that now people think, yeah, well, dogs definitely do help with mental health. Yeah, dogs definitely help with companionship and stop loneliness. And dogs really help you network and interact with with people. You know, you're never alone with a dog by your side. One of my little expressions. But, you know, prior to the pandemic, maybe it was a little bit more of a grey area. What do you think yeah definitely yeah and I think because everybody's battled through the pandemic for the last two years I think people it's brought it home and and you, know, you should just look at the amount of people who went out and got a lockdown dog yeah you know I think those people are now realizing the bond that these people have with their animals um and and that it's so precious and important and it should be protected really Absolutely. You know, and government, in fairness, is doing a lot or at least talking about doing a lot. Nothing's exactly happened yet. But with the animal sentience bill and everything, you know, surrounding that to put us first in animal welfare globally, which would be which would be terrific. And then as such, really, if that happens, do you think if that gets passed, Michelle, do you think it's going to make your job easier? once in law animals are sentient so they can't be left outside yeah because that that's the frustrating part of of us with people who work with people and their dogs that in all sense and purposes the dogs are property Mm. and you know that the whether it's right or wrong I totally disagree with it and your dog is not your property but that's the way they're seen and they're disposable in some way because they just belong to they're just property but actually they're not, they're a lot more than that. And I think I think the work over the last couple of years is, is bringing that change um, that, you know, when people are realising what these dogs actually do and, you know, they, they, they give you a purpose. They, they, you know, there's lots of studies. We're just in a study at the moment with Newcastle University, which the, we're starting to research about, you know, the benefits of homelessness pet and pet ownership um, because I think it is changing. I think people are starting to see you know, that there is a, a real need and, and it should be changed. Gosh, I'd love to, you know, hear the results of that because 
it's fascinated me. I mean, over the years, you know, I've always given money, you know, or once I went into the local supermarket, little supermarket near where this homeless man was with his dog and I bought four cans of dog food, you know, and gave him that years ago. We took him really a long time ago. And, you know, and I could just see, you know, the dog looked, was so happy getting so much mental stimulation loads of attention and he was just giving a lifeline that's what it is to his his human partner really yeah yeah and as a fellow dog walker if you think about it when you're out for a walk with your dog the number of people who will actually have a conversation with you because of the dog and yeah the, the people who you know and you see regularly on your daily walk who always stop and have a chat. It's the same for a homeless person with a dog. I think it breaks down a barrier because a lot of people would see somebody sat in the street and not know what to do, say what was right, what was wrong. Should they give anything? Should they not? Should they speak to them? Should they not? But if they've got a dog, they can go over and say, oh, well, I like your dog. You know, what's your dog's name? And make and the dog will, you know, make a fuss of them as equally. And it kind of breaks down that little bit of barrier. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's common ground, I think, Mm. isn't it, as well. And yeah, I just think it's so amazing. You know, we're obsessed at the moment, you know, with studying dogs, psychology, you know, new studies come out the whole time, you know, what we should really feed our dogs for optimum health. And we can't stop doing studies on dogs. And I just think we're fascinated by the power of the dog you know man's best friend we sort of say Mm. it the whole time like it's some funny old adage but they really are but we despite all of these studies and everything I mean they are revealing lots of great new things that we can learn and understand our dogs but we still can't really pinpoint it you know um Mm. this extraordinary connection and 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 the skills a dog has would you think (laughs) yeah absolutely you know that's absolutely it yeah, it is it. I, I think so. But look on, you know, but all the other work that you do, you know, helping with with fleas and and you know the routine veterinary care. I mean, that must be quite a task as well. Yeah, I mean, we've just been putting together some information um, from the last year, and we had over nine hundred veterinary consults last year in the pandemic. Wow, gosh, gosh, and that's just us. <laughs> gosh. And that could range from, you know, I mean, the the day-to-day, you know, fleeing worm and vaccinations, our teams of vets go out on the streets and do that. Mm. Um, But it's a combination of sick dogs, that's the 900, um, you know, of dogs who've needed more urgent veterinary attention, dogs who've become unwell, um, tummy bugs, you know, just the routine, and then down to, you know, neutering. Um, We support with all of that. So how do you fund this? This must cost an utter fortune. Yes, <laughs> that's an interesting question. Um, trust and foundations mainly, um, public support. We're just we're just about to launch a, uh, an appeal for us. It's our sixth birthday in April, so we're doing a two hundred and seventy four thousand step challenge across April. Um, and that's to link with the homeless, latest homeless figures as well. Um, and we're delighted that we've got a, a, some celebrity backing for that just to get the, the challenge in front of everybody and raise awareness. Um, and we've got Antilly from Afterlife who played Brandy. She's actually going to be setting off the challenge on the 1st of April with her only owner, Ashley. Oh, that's so, great. So where to, does uh, it start? I love this. Oh, gosh. So hang on. So where does this kick off? Um 
It's a it's just a virtual. Um, it's just everybody in their own area. But uh, until he's going to you know set the ball rolling on the first of April, um, and get us all stepping out for homelessness. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Well, certainly we're going to put all the links for anyone listening that wants to get involved, you know, just doing it locally in the show notes, Michelle. Yeah, lovely. Just via our website. There's more information on there and you just click a link to register. Oh, okay, great. Oh, brilliant. Oh, Michelle. Now, do you have dogs? Yes, I have two dogs. Um, We've got a Labradoodle. She's 13 this year, uh, Marley, and um, everybody who works in the vet's uh, collects animals <laughs> who've been brought in and we've got a rescue Jack Russell uh, Terrier Bran who was a, um, an abandoned dog who Aww. came home with me so yeah we've got two at the moment yeah oh <laughs> lovely oh no I love Jack Russell's uh, they're yeah, one he's of my feisty <laughs> yes yeah, they're great but you do a lot more isn't it and there's a lovely little video on your website I watched earlier with this little poodle you know and you wouldn't think of a little poodle being um, a homeless dog you know so homeless dogs come in all shapes and sizes definitely I mean predominantly Staffordshire Bull Terriers but we're seeing it even in that, you know, the shift in homelessness and the pandemic and more people becoming homeless because of what's happened in their circumstance because of the pandemic, probably as well. Um, you're seeing the more what you would class the regular dogs like poodles, French bulldogs, um, all becoming homeless because when you become homeless, your dog does too. You know, I always say, Michelle, it's it's a fine line and, mm. and no one can ever take anything in life really for granted. You know, I mean, you talk to I've heard that some homeless people, you know, are in high flying jobs and something can happen and then it's all over. You know, you lose your property yeah. um, and with the, the soaring prices of fuel bills and inflation at the moment, I just think nothing's certain, really. No, no. Um, you certainly get you know, when you work in the homeless sector and you speak to homeless people like we do on the ground, you hear everything. And, you know, the, some of the stories you hear people working full time, living in their car. Gosh. Yeah. Um, at the moment, we're supporting a lady who's in her 70s in a hostel with a dog. You just don't imagine that you would ever find yourself in that position, would you? It's just it could be quite heartbreaking. Yeah, it must take its toll on you, does it? And there must be great rewards and um, amazing highs. But, you know, you must get really upset. You must be quite heartbroken most of the time. Yeah, and we do. And, you know, we still cry when the dogs, sadly, and, you know, inevitably pass away. Dogs don't live long enough. I say that every day. And we still get upset because we know them all. We know the story. We know the journey. I think the thing that drives me is just making a change and trying to change perception um, so that things are better for, you know, my ultimate goal would be that street pause in itself is redundant because everybody who finds themselves in a homeless position or situation is straight into a hostel and support service and then moved into permanent accommodation. And that we wouldn't need to walk around the streets to look for people in need. Gosh, that would be amazing. Well, let's hope that happens. And yes, well, with your energy and enthusiasm and gusto with, um, you know, you've got some great celebrities behind you. Isn't Vet Scotty Mills one yeah, of your vets? Scott's, yeah, Scott's lovely. He's been really helpful. Um, Cat the vet we've got. We've got Peter Wright, who's the Yorkshire vet. We've just had Dan Byrne come in for the challenge. He's a Newcastle United player. 
Um, yeah, we're getting we're getting quite a lot of attention, which is wonderful because it raises the profile of what we're trying to do. Yes, and and then everyone hopefully will take it all seriously. You know. Yeah. Gosh, well, it's been such an honour to chat, Michelle, and I really admire everything that you're doing and anything that we can do to help. We'd love an update um, in, a, in a few months to see how this challenge has gone and more, really, if you'd be up for that. Yeah, of course. Fabulous. Lovely. Oh, well, thank you again and look forward to speaking soon. Thanks, Anna. That's our show, Mr Binks. What did you think? Yes, you are very lucky to have a home and you are also very lucky to go for lots of walks. So it's good that we can combine both to help street paws. What's that? Yes, you're right. It is time for Woof of the Week. Every dog needs a home. So we need more homeless shelters that are dog friendly. And I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, go on, rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again to Michelle Southern from Street Paws, and all the links are in our show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen, my producer. Find out more about him and his company at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you subscribe now? It's free. Then you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.